Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. If you're being blessed by this work, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber uh, or supporting the work in all the ways that are available. Today, we are resuming our study in the book of 1 Samuel. We're working through all the kings. We're ready for Samuel chapter 8 and 9 this morning. Chapter 8 and 9 deals with Israel demanding to have a king. Demanding to have a king. Demanding to be like the other nations. When at uh, this time they were set apart from the other nations. They were nothing like the other nations. But they want a king. And uh, that's for, that's what we see in chapter 8. And in chapter 9 deals with Saul being chosen. What's interesting is in the beginning Saul seems to be an upright man. A good man who wants to do the right thing. And I think we'll discover as time goes on that... You know, the Saul we think of, when we think of Saul, is the Saul he became after pride and wealth and power had become too much for him to deal with. Sometimes we wonder why so many of God's people are poor or why so few of God's people are rich. And maybe this is it. Maybe this is it, because these kind of things, power, money, position, these things have the tendency to destroy a person. They have the tendency to destroy the character of a person. And so really, as we, th as we study through Samuel, we see kind of the decay of Saul, the fall of Saul. But here in the beginning, he seems upright, wanting to do the right things. Even before being anointed king... Because all we're going to see today in today's study is just kind of the selection of Saul. But we'll see right from the get-go that, you know, he wants to do the right thing. You know, he's going to, when he finds out he's going to go talk to the man of God, he wants to make sure he has some money to give to bless the man of God. I mean, he takes it, he seems to be taking it very, very serious. So it's just interesting how, because when I think of Saul, maybe so many of you, so many of you do, I think of this man who's just crazy, right? Full of pride, trying to kill David. But there's a he has a longer story than that. And uh, we get to see that uh, as we study. So let's blabber no longer. Let's dig right in. We're going to read chapter 8, chapter 9, verse Samuel. King James Bible. Let's begin. Verse 1. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over all Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges and Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgments. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel in Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. 
But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. All right. First thing that came to my mind, reading these first handful of verses, we have here, Samuel's gotten old, and he has two sons. Both sons are crooked. It says they turned aside after lucre. It looks like Lucree, but I had to go look up what the, how to pronounce that word, lucre. Which has to do with gaining money in a dishonorable or distasteful way. Okay, So it says that they walked not in his ways, but turned after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgments. Okay, Much like the judges we have today. This is... Here's what I found interesting. Is Eli, if you remember... And look, I don't have an answer for this question. I'm just going to raise questions. Eli, at the beginning of our study in 1 Samuel, he had, he had two sons that were corrupt, right? Um, and in the end, there was judgment pronounced over the two sons and Eli for not restraining his two sons, for not holding his sons accountable. We don't see this with Samuel. We see We don't see anything about that. I just find it interesting, right? It's like, so Eli, who was the mentor of Samuel, had two sons. They were corrupt. They were judged, killed, and then Eli fell and broke his neck. It's part of the judgment as well because he didn't restrain his sons and their wickedness. It could be that the wickedness of the other two sons was just far worse, far beyond what Eli's two sons are doing. They're kind of taking bribes and their judgment's corrupt. Um, they're gaining money in a dishonorable way, which your typical politicians do. But at any rate, the people say, look, you're getting old, right? Your two sons, they, they don't judge correctly. They steal, you know, they pervert the judgment. We want a king. We want a king. And so at this point, the theocracy that they have right now is rejected. They want to be like the nations, the other nations around the world. So Samuel prays unto God. What should we do? Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken to the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Again, let's make note of this. God is saying, look, Samuel, it's not you. It's me, right? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You know, when we give the gospel to people, we tell them about Jesus. Or we try to show them the ways of God. Or we invite them to church. Or whatever it is, and they they lash out at you. They foam at the mouth. They... They get angry, they push you away, they say it's all, that's all nonsense. It's not you they're rejecting, per se. At the end of the day, it's God they're rejecting. They're rejecting God. They don't want to be held accountable for their actions. They don't want to be told that their sensual behavior is ungodly. They don't want to be told that the way that they live leads to destruction. They love the world. They love the things in it. 
They don't want to hear about your God. They want to say he doesn't exist. It's not you. It's God they're rejecting. And that's what the Lord is telling Samuel here. All right, I'm going to try not to interrupt. Let's continue the story. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore, hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots to be his horsemen, and some shall run for, run before his chariots. He will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed, and of your vineyards, and give to his officers, and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maidservants, and your goodliest young men, and your asses, and put them to work. He will take the tenth of your sheep, and you shall be his servants. And you shall cry out in that day, because your king... Which you shall have which you shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. That we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and to make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go you every man into his city. All right, so God says, Give them what they want. They want a king, give them a king. But you need to explain to them what they're getting. You want big government? You're about to get that, right? You want somebody lording over you? This is what's going to happen. He's going to take your young men. He's going to use them for himself for war, to make his chariots, to till land. He's going to take your women, your daughters, to be cooks and things like that. He's going to take parts of your land for himself and give it to his buddies. He's going to tax you. Right? These are all the things he's going to do because this is what government does. But the people said, no, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want somebody to lead us. We want, we want a man to put our trust in. And that is what they're going to get. Now let's move on, transitioning to chapter 9, which deals with the choosing of Saul. Verse 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin 
whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becharoth, and the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice man and a goodly man. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders upward he was higher than any of the other people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, and go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim, and he passed through the land of Shalisha. But they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses, and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith comes surely to pass. Now let us go thither. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here a hand, the fourth part of a shekel of silver, that I will give to the man of God to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, and let us go to the seer, for that is now called a prophet, was before time called a seer. Verse 10. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now, for he came to the day to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. As soon as you come into the city, ye shall straightway find him, before you go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore, get you up, for about this time you shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were there, they come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them, for to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. All right, let's take note of something. Saul is described as a goodly man, the most goodly man in all the land, right? He's very tall, very handsome. He's a short, he's from the shorter up, he's taller than any person in Israel. He is chosen by God, okay? This is why when David has the opportunity to kill him, he says, No, how could I kill God's anointed, right? We have to remember, Saul, at this point in time, is chosen to lead the people of Israel by God. This is what God says. 
when he speaks in Samuel's ear. He says, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin. And thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. Let's continue the story. Verse 17, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, the same shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me into the high place, for ye shall eat with me today and tomorrow. I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thy heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee, and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite, one of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made him sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about thirty persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder that, and that which was upon it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, and Samuel abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on, But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. And that is where our story ends for this morning. Here's something I want to point out. You never know what God has planned for you. You just don't know. And your current circumstances are not to be looked at as if there's nothing for you in the future or nothing for you today or tomorrow. Think about this moment. Saul's poor, right? What does he say? He says, I am, I'm a Benjamite. I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least among the families in the tribe of Benjamin. Right? He's saying, look, I come from the least important tribe, and my family is the least important within the least important tribe. This very day, Samuel, Saul was just out trying to locate all the donkeys for his father, right? That had gotten loose and gotten lost. And in a moment, in a moment, now he's before a prophet of God being told something great's about to happen to you. Something unthinkable's about to happen to you. He hasn't told him this yet, but he, what is he going to tell him? You're about to go from the poorest 
family. From the least tribe to king over all of Israel. Regardless of what your situation is right now, God can change it tomorrow. He can change it today if he so desires. And look, God was planning this in advance, right? Because he spoke in Samuel's ear the day before. Did Saul have any idea? Of course not. But Samuel knew, hey, there's going to be a guy showing up today. God's anointed. You never know. You never know what the future holds. So don't be downcast. Don't think it's impossible. It's over. I'll be honest with you. I have struggled this last year with basically anonymous future syndrome where there's just no hope. There's just no future. But we don't really know. Yeah, we could be right in the midst of the birth pains. And if we are, then guess what? Things just continue to excel and to get worse and worse and worse. And if that's where we are, then that's where we are. But we don't know with 100% certainty what the future holds. Maybe God wants to do a great revival first. I don't know. We are to just walk and live in faith. And you know, when you lack hope, the only thing left is despair. It's just no way to live. And no Christian should live in despair, because even if this world ends, that means you go into eternal bliss with God. Where he has treasures in his right and his left hand, where he has more stored for you than you could ever imagine. We should never live in despair. But I just wanted to point that out. That here we have Saul. A nobody. From a nobody tribe. And yet he's about to be anointed king. Because God has chosen him. God is the true king. And the true, true one in charge. Right? Nothing that's happened recently has taken God by surprise. Right? Surprise? He's allowed it. For his own purposes. Even if somebody intends all this for evil. God has a plan. I pray you've been blessed this morning. And blessed this week from the podcast. It's uh, my great privilege. My great honor to get up early. Really early. <laughs> and do this. Um, but it's just a... It's just a great blessing for me to get to do it. I want to thank you for your prayers. Those of you who pray for me. I'm working on a new book, so please be praying for me on that. Um, it will be dealing with faith. It'll be dealing with the end of days, of course. Um, it'll be dealing with obedience. I think it's going to hit all the areas that uh, the people who listen to this podcast care deeply about. So pray that I can get this thing written. And uh, hopefully two to three months from now we'll have it out. Um, I want to thank all of you who support the podcast, the Patreon subscribers. This couldn't happen without you. It costs money to produce a show like this, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for those of you who just bless me and bless this work, and and uh, I'm very humbled by that. So, anyway, I feel like I'm rambling at this point. 
I pray that you have a great weekend. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.